Hello, Michelle Laurie here. It's no secret that Australia's property market is out of control these days, but I, for one, can't seem to stop following along. I've become a bit obsessed with it, to be honest. What's up, what's down, and who on earth is paying those prices for those houses? So I want to personally recommend a podcast for you. It's called Real Property. It'll keep you across the latest information on the Australian property market in a clear and easy-to-digest way. Real Property, building a community of more informed property buyers. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. Someone shared a great quote from Desmond Tutu, which I think is fantastic, and it said, we need to stop pulling people out of the river. What we need to do is walk upstream and figure out why they're falling in. That's Sam Gledhill, who's one of the people responsible for some of the scrappiest faces you'll see around Australia every spring. He's the Global Director for Digital Health at Movember. I'm Michelle Laurie, and this is Calm Your Farm, tips and tricks for taking care of you from the unlikeliest of gurus. We all know that men are hopeless when it comes to talking honestly about their feelings. But did you know that it's worse when they know someone's looking at them? (laughs) Isn't that weird? Anyway, best I leave it to Sam Gledhill from Movember to take it from here. There was a period in my life just before I joined Movember, I'd worked my way into a reasonably senior position uh, in a a hospital and probably earlier in my career than would have been expected. And so I had this kind of really um, what I thought, and I felt like I was, you know, really on on the way up. I was, I I had visions of being, you know, a really, really important person for the rest of my life. And um, after I was then um, a victim of a restructure and uh, ended up losing that job. And it took me a very long time to find another role. I was out of work for, for several months. Looking back on it now, there was out of doubt I was depressed. There was no doubt in my mind. Um, but when you're in the moment, it's so hard for you to see out. It's so hard for you to kind of step back and rationalise and say, the reason you're feeling that way and the reason you're doing the things you're doing is because you know, you've, you've got this problem that you can't solve. It also brought up a whole range of emotions around why are men, so men particularly, but I think this happens to humans more generally, but men specifically, why are we so defined about the job we've got rather than the person we are? And so without having had a job, being, being on the job market for a period of several months, 
you suddenly feel like you've lost your sense of identity and you don't have, like you, you aren't anything. And I, and I hear this when I talk to um, dads who might be primary caregivers for their young children and that there's still this stigma. Um, you know, we've got a whole bunch of mums groups around the world and, and you know, around Australia. They're great at getting mums together and, and, you know, getting them to help share the burden of what motherhood is like, but we don't see that for dads. So there is still this stigma that, you know, 150 years ago, the Industrial Revolution pulled people out of the, pulled dads out of the home and sent them off to a workplace. And they've never really come back. And so, interestingly enough, now you fast forward to 2020. And now, because we're being forced back into the home with lockdowns, because we're being forced to work remotely, suddenly that paradigm shifted on its head again. So, I wonder as we look forward, what does that mean for the identity of, of men, particularly? Are we reversing that industrial revolution shift back into the home? And can we break down those stigmas that are associated with dads who might be primary caregivers or with dads who might be out of work, but, you know, who, who still have uh, an identity that's not linked to their job title? Anytime you're faced with adversity, surround yourself with great people and suddenly your problems don't seem quite so intense. I'm very fortunate. I've got a very solid family life, both my own family, my own little little unit, um, as well as my extended family and my, my own family. My, my, my upbringing was fantastic. I've got great parents. I've got a loving sister who's you know, really, really supportive. So putting good people around you is, is probably the most protective thing you can do. The earlier you get onto things and the sooner you intervene, the safer you're going to be for the long run. So building good social connections, particularly for men, we know is a really, really solid protector for that cascade into ultimately suicide. So if we can start to get good people around you and around the people in your lives, then that will be a great protection against all sorts of future disasters you might have to come up against. One thing that tends to happen with men is that as they get older, they lose those social connections that they had in school. And so, you know, as you get older into your middle years and you find that you're surrounded by less and less good people, that's when these high risk times of your life occur. That's when things like marriage breakdowns occur or the death of a loved one or other bits and pieces that might go wrong in your life, can th- where life can throw you a bit of a curveball. And you look around you and you've got no one to help you through that. So I think really, whether it be like a local sporting club, I play field hockey, and our hockey club had a Monday night uh, training session on Zoom during lockdown. And every Monday night, we'd get together and have a have a beer and and uh, you know a bit of banter on the Zooms. And uh, it really it was something that people started to look forward to once a week. You know, this time that they could get back to connect with their mates again. Uh, it was exceptionally powerful. And these are generalizations. I don't want to think that every woman and every man responds in the same way. But generally speaking, women are much better at getting together and saying, hey, this is happening and it's really annoying me or it's really problematic for me right now. And and just lending an ear and listening, whereas men tend not to do that. In order to get men to have these real conversations, you've got to try and trick them. And so you do that by putting them shoulder to shoulder instead of face to face. So you notice that when men might be cooking a barbecue side by side, you can sneak in some real conversations with them without them really noticing. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I think that things like men shed are so successful is because you distract men with their hands and suddenly they've, they've, their voice gets going without them really thinking it through. And so those guards tend to drop a little bit and you can have some really you know, thorough conversations with men. The other part about surrounding yourself with good people is that they notice when things aren't going right. And so it, was, it wasn't it was so much that I was reaching out to people, but but 
the good, really, really good friends, friends that I have started to hold really dear to my heart were the people who did reach out and say, hey, mate, are you are you all right? Because we've noticed this and this and this. We've noticed that this is, you know, we've noticed you're a bit flat. We've noticed you're not quite doing this. Are, are things okay? And, and, and it, it forced me to have a couple of conversations where I said, actually, no, I'm not. Um, and at one point, I went to see a psychologist who, who really highlighted to me that the problem was that when you get set on a pathway and, and a big block drops in front of your pathway, you know, if you're driving a car down traffic and you get stuck by a whole bunch of, of a roadblock, you don't just keep trying to drive over the roadblock. You find a way around, you find a detour. And so that really opened my mind to say, actually, sometimes you need to look a little bit to the left or to the right and see what's going on. Interestingly, in my life, that resulted in a pretty big career shift towards something fundamentally different that in the, in the long run has ended up with a fantastic career that's afforded me great opportunities that I had never uh, at the time would have envisaged would be in my future. So I guess it just kind of, it was a case in point around kind of thinking laterally and, and looking to the sides instead of just always looking straight ahead. If you're listening and you're struggling, there are amazing, we are very fortunate in this country of Australia to have great services that people can use if they're at a moment of crisis. So without a doubt, use things like Lifeline, use things like the Suicide Callback Service if you find yourself at crisis because those lines do amazing work. Um, I've got no association with them, but I know that they're fantastic, run by fantastic people doing fantastic things. So if you are if you are feeling like you're at, a, at a, the pointy end of something and you need some real urgent help, get onto those lines. From a prevention point of view, surround yourself with good people, talk to those good people, be open, be vulnerable. And if you need some help, don't feel like there's a stigma with seeking out, reaching out and seeking some help and seeking some support. Take control of the situation rather than be a victim of the situation. So be proactive, be vulnerable enough to say, I might need some support and go and get that support because you come out of it feeling so much better at the end of it. For more tips on taking care of you from the unlikeliest of gurus, including recipes for relaxing body products you can make at home, things to read and watch instead of scrolling through your phone, cheap, cheerful and calming gift ideas, go to calmyourfarm.com.au. We'd love to hear your ideas too. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.